I'm Matt Godbolt. And I'm Ben Rady. And this is Two's Compliment, a programming podcast. Hey, Ben. Hey, Matt. So there's a lot of things going on in the world right now, uh, in the tech world particularly. Um, Some of the fan companies are downsizing, and we are at least the little company we work for, one of the few places that are actually hiring at the moment. And this is not officially supported by our company in any meaningful way, but we have definitely... (laughs) This is not an advertisement. This is definitely not an advert. Yeah, it's not an advert. But you and I have been doing a lot of... uh, Well, I say you and I. You have been doing an awful lot of resume filtering and uh, interviewing. Yeah, and then interviews. If, I seem to be at the end of the interview pipeline, which means that I get the the sort of the, the ones that have already been filtered through, the folks that have already passed a whole bunch of uh, other mm-hmm. interviews. So I get one view. You're doing a lot of earlier stage interviews. But yeah, I figured we should talk about that a little bit. And I know you have opinions and thoughts, seeing as you, mm-hmm. <laughs> all you seem to do is read resumes these days. <laughs> yeah, read resumes and interview people. It's like a good... It's like a good third of my job these these days, which is not where I want it, but it's sort of like, you know, we are in this very fortunate position of, you know, having a company that is looking to hire and, you know, the rest of the world is is not like that and sort of that, you know, creates some opportunity for us to maybe cuz you know, my my perception, I you know, I've never worked you've worked for Google. I've never mm-hmm. worked for like a big tech company, right? Um with like, you know, tens of thousands of employees and stuff like this, right? Um Certainly my perception of these layoffs is that, you know, if you're going to lay off 10,000 people and you're going to make the decision to do that and execute it in like a couple of months, which is it sort of seems Seems to be the timeline. Yeah. Like you're not making really fine grained decisions about which people you're you're letting go and which people you're not. You know, you're just going to cut whole departments and you're going to be like, there's going to be some great people in here. And maybe we could have retained them if we wanted to do this exhaustive re-interview process or some other sort of thing. But, but we're not going to do that. By and large, they have to use broad department. strokes to, to, yes. to, yeah. Right, right. Which is why you get so, some of these terrible stories about folks who've been there a long time or they were like mm-hmm. uh, in the labor ward at the time when they discover that they've been cut, which means that like no one really thought about it. Because I don't believe that even in the most capitalistic society, anyone is that horrible to humans. Yeah. It just is how yeah. it came out because there's, it, it's big swathes of companies and without yeah, yeah. the personal touch that you would otherwise hope to have, especially after a long time in the company. But right. nevertheless, that's where we are. Yes, and that is what's happening right now. Uh, and so, you know, this is a sort of brief moment in time for us where while all of these layoffs are happening, some of which might be kind of arbitrary and therefore laying off like very talented and experienced people, at the same time, we are trying to grow and sort of there's this like brief window where it's like, oh, well, we might have an opportunity here to get a whole bunch of great people. And so right. that's why I'm spending a third of my day right. reading, resumes. reading through resumes and doing interviews and other things because I fully expect that, you know, six months from now or whatever, when the market has kind of settled out a little bit, that it will sort of be back to normal and will well, be... You know, I mean, let's hope so for the wider economy. Let's well, hope so, yeah, even though it's lovely so. to have the choice right now <laughs> for yes. us. I certainly, I think, would be wise to operate under the assumption that this is going to sort of return to the way it was maybe not six months ago or a year ago when it was you know, particularly hot, but like, you know, the way it was like two or three years ago, right? Like when we were, 
we would still sort of have to look pretty hard to find. We didn't have this huge influx of candidates. Um, you know, take advantage of the opportunity where you can. So it has definitely been very top of mind for me. I've been doing a lot more interviews. I've been setting up new interview pipelines and trying to figure out how to do that, talking with recruiters about how to, you know, get the best candidates and how to filter them effectively while also trying to keep in mind that like we have other jobs to do. Oh, uh, we have a yeah. bunch of stuff to build and um, everyone involved in this process is also doing those other things. So everything we do is a, is a trade-off here. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's even the old trade-off of like, you know, hiring another person. I think you said it well when someone said uh, to you, can we just hire some more people and then it'll go faster. And you're like, no, I can show you a book. That will tell you exactly why the opposite thing will happen. So, you know, there's exactly that to balance right. as well, right? You know, the time that we take to interview folks is lost time in some way if they don't work out. Um, it's important time, but it's it's not time that you're building stuff. And when you hire someone new, you have a tax on you for a while while they come up to speed and while you get them the opportunity to, to grow and become more of a net positive than somebody who is asking like where's the bathroom i don't even know where the how do i go how does the coffee machine work ah right yes and yes. so on well and our coffee machine is particularly complicated right um the uh yeah i mean and i think one of the things that everyone looks at when they're they're looking at these like a, a potential candidate um is uh sort of like how long it's going to take you to get them up to sort of that net positive right. level Right. And right. for somebody that's right out of school, like you're making more of an investment in them. Absolutely. And it's going to take a longer period of time. But for somebody with more experience, like, you know, part of the reason you're hiring people with experience is that you don't have to teach them as much and they should hopefully get to that point sooner. But it's true for pretty much every I've never had someone that joined a team that I was on. And like day one, it was like, oh, we're getting more out of you than we're putting in. Mm -hmm. Right, like that just—it just doesn't happen, that, you know. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's only like weeks, but it's never like the first day. So, um, you know, and and then with with people who are right out of school, like I expect that process to take months and sometimes even years to really truly get to the point where it's like you are producing the level of quality that I would want and expect for this particular type of project, and can vary. Mm -hmm. Um. And and you're doing it, uh, you know, at a level that means that you know, for every two hours of guidance and instruction and peer review and all of the other forms of input that I'm possibly giving you, I'm getting more than two hours out, right? Right. So that can that can easily take months to get to that point with somebody who's right out of school. Right. Understandably, um, I mean, like that's it. It there are whole processes that are vary from company to company. I mean, you and I are quite lucky that you know we've we've found company well we've worked at the same companies and so therefore we've brought the practices that we know and love with us right. so we kind of like hey this is a familiar process i wonder why oh because we invented it in the last company <laughs> right, right, but right. like for yep. someone who's just fresh out of school um just even like doing pull requests and understanding how that process works or right. you know how do you design things in a way that is uh, or what are the things that are important in a piece of software that you're not just going to hand in at the end of a semester and never right. have to look at again but it's going to haunt you for the next six years. <laughs> you know, what do you, how does that change the way you write software and all of the things in between there? So, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. So what kind of, I mean, how does one go about for say, let's say a mid to senior person, not the, the new grads that we just talked about. Cause I think we can all see the shape of what that looks like. And we all understand some of the things that they're going to um, perhaps not have been exposed to, but um, you can get somebody who's been working for three, four, five years. Um, 
And then how do we look for the things that are going to say it'll be weeks rather than months before you are uh, we're getting more energy out of you than we're putting in. You know, the sort of fusion right, reactor right, of right. your yeah. your brain will be yes, net exactly. positive. Exactly. I mean, so I think that we do it a little differently than a lot of other firms do it. I get a lot of feedback from people that have been through our interview process, and they were like, "Wow, this was really different. Like, you guys didn't do the regular sort of like lead code, oh, gosh. rank, whatever, silly. You know, I know those things are so gross, but it's like you guys didn't do that. You did something very different." Um, and it's like, yeah, like, like, you know, what we do, um, I, I think is actually kind of unique in that like our sort of, you know, our, our process is pretty normal at the beginning. It's very typical at the beginning, you know, with Super Sons as a resume, we have somebody call them up and we say like, Hey, like, where, where do you live and where do you want to work and what have you done? And just sort of, you know, a make sure that they're a real person because, you know, we've, some, we've that had that sometimes. <laughs> yeah. we found, yeah. Um, uh, and then just sort of generally get a sense from them of like what they're looking for and, and sort of an introduction call. And then very soon after that, usually immediately after that, we send them a programming test. And this programming test is open source. It's on our public GitHub. Mm-hmm. We share it with everybody. And part of the reason that we do that, and, and I know, I don't know if you've had the same experiences, you know, finance can be a little bit of a, of a, of a, of an old boys club, right? Where it's sort of like people know people and you get these things of like, oh yeah, the interview process over at Jump is like this and they're going to ask you these kinds of questions. And that's like, I think profoundly unfair. It's sort of like you're just giving an advantage to the people that are already in the industry yeah. beyond their industry this, experience. Like this isn't this isn't industry experience. It's not like you have depth, you know, in depth knowledge it's of just how that equity you know, work Barry, and that's what's giving uh, you. Whatever, yeah. and they say, you know, they said, well, well, this is what they asked me when I came in on the way in, and you know, and right. There are, I mean, there are websites nowadays that share some of this stuff and information, which is a kind of another thing where it's like, well, if that's going to happen anyway. Let's just put right. it out there in the open, and then it's then we've leveled the playing field for everyone. Exactly, exactly. We're leveling the playing field for the people who uh, might think that, like, you know, digging into those things might be slightly uh, not dishonest, but just like circumventing the process, right? Right. right. And it's like, no, no, no. We're gonna make I, sure that I could this imagine is... myself feeling that, like, well, I've noticed. Oh gosh, on, are you, even like this, right? Oh, I just noticed that they maybe they didn't know that their 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 uh, interview test is is open source and uh, publicly available. Uh, I won't look at it, right? And then yeah, <laughs> that right. would be like my thoughts about the process. <laughs> but that's you know, but yes. no, we're doing it on a purpose. It's there so yes. that everyone yes. can see it. Exactly. Time. So we have this this very open process, uh, and the you know people ask people to do the problem. They do the problem. They submit it, and then the follow on to that is also I think pretty unique in that like a lot of what the the follow on interviews do are they're focused on programming and the programming process. So something that I that I see a lot with kind of like technical interviews and programming interviews, especially like pair programming style interviews, sort of dysfunctional version of pair programming style interviews, is that you're basically just watching somebody code as quickly as they possibly can, right? It's like, how much functionality can you cram into a 60 minute or 90 minute or two hour, God forbid, programming session? And they've got this like, you know, checklist of like, were they able to implement this? Were they able to implement this? Were they able to implement this? And if you get all the way through the checklist, then you pass the interview. And if you don't, then you're not fast enough and you fail. And it's like, well, if that's what this job is going to be like, well, then just fail me now because I don't, I don't want that job. Right. I don't want to be writing code as quickly as I possibly can for two hours straight with somebody looking over my shoulder. I was going to say breathing that down your neck the whole time. Terrible. It's just like that's not a normal way. That, I don't write that way. Yeah. Right. So, so we do the sort of like you know 
pairing style, collaborative style programming interviews, but the purpose of that is to evaluate their process, not their result, right? We're not looking at like how much code they can crank out. They're looking at like, how do you think about software design? How do you think about testing? How do you think about performance? How do you think about data structures? Can you communicate these ideas to other people? Can you take your ideas and put them into code, right? Can you manipulate code in order to make your ideas real, right? And it's not about like, oh yeah, you implemented the three sorting algorithms, but not the fourth one, so you didn't make it, right? Yep. So I think that's pretty unique, and I definitely think that gives us a good sense of like, in those early days, when someone has just joined a company and they're going to like gum and they're going to work with me and I'm going to be like, let's work on this problem together. I'm going to probably know in the first day what that trajectory is going to be over the next few right. months. I don't know if you've sort of had that experience of sort of like, yeah, after the first day, it's like, yeah, this guy might pick up be a little slower or, or, you know, that's, uh, it's definitely yeah. something, I mean, this is more an interview thing as I have often, you've been, they've been, by the time I see a candidate, they've been through the the various filters that that, that come mm -hmm. naturally out of the the programming uh, side of the test uh, mm -hmm. of the interview, I should say. Uh, but yeah, definitely something I like to do is find something which is kind of on the border of something that somebody might know, um, mm -hmm. but like it's definitely not critical. So um, I don't know if they say they have Java experience, they say, "Oh, tell me a little bit about what it means to." you know, Java versus, say, a, a real compiled language. And I know, like, you could write a book on the answer to that question, right? That's the right, thing. Right. But I want to push them until I get, they get to, like, an obvious point where they don't know anymore. And then if I know something, I'll maybe say, oh, this is how that works. Now, often it's, you know, some minutiae of the garbage collector or it's something in Python about how reference counting works or anything like that. And I'll try and teach them something. Just mm -hmm. two minutes, two minutes, you know, nothing. I mean... Obviously, I like to do that anyway. That's fun for me. But right, right, then right. I try and make it so that later on in the interview, I call back and I see whether or not they can extrapolate from the new information that they've been given. Oh, right, does it work right. the same way as the thing you just taught me over here? And I'm like, oh, it does actually. Yeah, great. You know, and that's that's a very good sign for me that they can pick up things on the fly. And obviously, it's difficult because interviews are under pressure. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, it's not yeah, a necessarily yeah. an out that they don't, but it's a good sign for me. And it can contributes to a positive signal from a candidate amongst all of the other things. Right. But yeah, it's yep. difficult. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, inter interviews are just inherently a kind of process where you're just going to get a lot of things wrong. Right. You hopefully err on the side of not hiring people who aren't a good fit and and therefore reject people who might be. Like, that's the sort of smart way to do it's, this. It's but difficult. it kind of sucks if, for everybody. It sucks if you're the candidate, right? It sucks if you're yeah. the candidate, you were like, well, I was on the fence. And, you know, and I think, you know, we've all seen candidates that have either we've, uh, we've passed on and then have thrived mm -hmm. outside mm -hmm. or, yeah. you know, you've, one has stuck one's neck out for somebody because you are the one person who gave them a, the, like the five-star thumbs up. We have to hire them yeah, immediately. And everyone yeah. else is like, man, I'm not really sure. And, you know, you sit your neck out and then they, they get hired and then it's like, oh, my gosh, how do we how, it's amazing how we got on with before this person was hired. Right. And yeah. th that's that's a nice feeling. But then you but there's always like one quadrant of the the right, right. Uh, the thing that you don't get information on. So you don't know about the unknown unknowns. Well, who, what, what about all those people that didn't interview very well at all? And no one stuck their neck out and then you didn't hear about them ever again, but would have been amazing. All right. And right. it's right. really, really hard to get that right. But, you yeah. know, ultimately, you've got to protect the your the business at one level and also the working environment that you're going to be bringing 
a new person into. And so, you mm-hmm. know, although it's unfortunate for the candidates, um, maybe if you're a, a maybe, it, 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 you, you, you know, you have to round down and say, well, I'm sorry, this is not going to work out this time. I, I, yeah. But it's never, I, yeah. I hate it. Everything about it's, it is awful. <laughs> I, everything about it is awful. I totally agree. And, and it does kind of work out sometimes to be this sort of like subtractive process where you're putting people through these various examinations and all along the way you're expecting sort of like, yep, yep, this is good. Yep, yep, yep. And you sort of get to the end and it's sort of like, well, we've ran out of tests, so we're going to hire you. <laughs> yeah. And that's not, you know, nobody really wants to be like, you didn't do anything wrong. Therefore, we right. hired you. But right, in a right. way, I mean, that's the, again, I'm at the end, I'm typically towards the end of the interview pipeline mm-hmm. just because of the way things are set up. So I have a very artificial view of these incredibly, great candidates that effectively that's how i feel i feel like like they've already come to right. me i read through all the notes of everyone and i'm like everyone loves this person i i'm basically looking to see whether or not i can work with them which is an important thing um and i'm all the things that we just talked about in terms of their learning or whatever and then i'm just here to say yeah everyone else was right great let's let's bring them on board or whatever yeah, yeah. um and i don't get a great way of calibrating how good that person is compared to all the other good people. You know, like if, if you've sifted right. out like 95% of the people and I'm always seeing the top 5%, then I'm going, am I just too lenient here? Yeah, <laughs> Are yeah. these people well, I think all a great? great? A great antidote to that phenomena that we're talking about here is this sort of yes, but not for me, right? When you get feedback from people in an interview process or like, I think this person would be a great addition to the company, but I don't want to work with them, right? Yeah. Like, and that's kind of like rounds down to no in a way. Now, that's not universally true. There are definitely situations in which you have like very specific fits for people that would work out better in one yeah. area and in another area. But at least in my mind, when I'm sort of looking at that, in, that feedback from the group after the interview process is complete, like there better be at least one person and hopefully multiple people that are like, I would be happy to work with this person. Or even day. I would champion right. them. You know, if, if exactly. I, yeah, I would, like, I would a no somewhere along the right. line for this person. Yeah. That's right. a great signal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you might have fallen into this trap of, it's not that the person is actually a really great fit. It's just that all along the way they were like, well, I guess good enough. I guess good enough. I guess good enough. Yeah. And at the end it's sort of like, well, I guess we need to give them an offer now. I don't know. Yeah. Like that's not a great outcome from that process. You need to have something, I think, a little bit more. You need to have an advocate at the end of the process to say, like, you know, this. If no one else wants this person, I will gladly take them. Please, 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 can they be on my right? Team? And in fact, I see a very on a recent candidate that went through our pipeline. You made that exact point, which I thought <laughs> this is so you're putting your money where your mouth is, quite literally here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean. And I mean, beyond that, like one of the things that I think there's a lot of economic value in is making interviews both humane and really fun. Right. Um, for certain. We For two reasons. One is people, you know, interviews are just super stressful and, and especially engineers, like we're hiring them to be able to think, sometimes think very deeply about very complex problems. And an interview is not the sort of emotional state, hopefully, that you're going to be in when you're working at a job. And so, you know, like it's a it's like a very well-known thing. You know, people under stress, their 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 cognitive abilities drop. They they stop being able to think of more creative ideas. I myself in my career have had multiple situations in which I've had some ongoing production issue 
and I log into an S- SSH into a box, and I just get dumber. Like oh my gosh. I forget the names of commands. I like start transposing things, and I have to double and triple and quadruple check the things that I would normally just be able to do without thinking, right? Um, and that kind of stress absolutely happens in interviews, and it can really distort your picture of a candidate. And so I think one of the things that's really important as a way to, to sort of make create a little bit of an antidote for that, I mean, you're never going to be able to completely do it, is you have to think about your interview process and, and how you're going to make it interesting and fun and engaging and something that, like, is a challenge, but is also, you know, getting your mind into that mode of solving interesting problems and talking about interesting things, as opposed to the like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm making a fool of myself. I, I can't remember the answer to this question. I used to know this. Oh my God, what's happening? Right. You, right? I know like, you want to set up terrible. a situation where you're like, uh, this is something I go to pains to say, like, you know, we understand it's a stressful place. So, you know, if you yeah. can't remember it exactly, I, you know, just if you don't get the right term for this thing, if you know it exists, that's good enough for me. I'm not here to test you on this. And like, especially if we're doing any kind of like live code type stuff, I'm like, I'm not looking mm-hmm. to see if you've remembered the semicolon or if there is the brackets are matched or whatever. That's unimportant here. Right, I trust right. that you would, with an IDE, you would actually do the right thing and, and tend to avoid those things anyway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think there's two things that go into that. There is the, first of all, as you say, humane. I like the idea of being humane. This, this is another human being who is stressed out and worried. And, you know, your job is to say, are they a good fit for our company? Which is, unfortunately, puts you in a slightly antagonistic position in a way. Yeah, yep. But there's a sort of second point here, which is like the vast majority of people that want interviews, I mean, certainly, I mean, again, my own position in the pipeline notwithstanding mm-hmm. but the the vast majority won't pass the filter at some point along the way and, and then you know the hr department is going to have to make a uh the awkward call to say thanks very much but it's not mm-hmm. a fit for us or however yeah. they do it i'm sure they're much better than i am <laughs> phrasing bad news to people but yes i think it's it, it's great another part of that humanity the humaneness i think uh mm-hmm. is to Make sure the person who has been interviewed felt that everything went fairly for them and that they come away feeling like it was a good conversation. That was okay, actually, even though I didn't get it. Maybe it was just a cultural thing. Maybe I didn't quite understand the thing. Maybe the role wasn't a fit for me. Not like, oh, my God, those people are awful. <laughs> you know, nobody wants that to happen on either side. And that's, that's a difficult thing to pull off when you are in this sort of antagonistic situation. You know, you want people yeah. to kind of walk away and say, oh, well, maybe next time or that kind of feel or, or something like that. Right, They're feeling right, still right. positive about their experience. Yeah. Um, and so being a, a, interviewing humanely is a great way of, of uh, allowing that to be, well, giving you an opportunity to, to have that experience, um, have the candidate have that kind of an experience. I mean, I've seen things before. I've, I've, I've sat in other people's interviews, not at this company, but at one a couple ago, uh, where somebody asks a question and then they will sit sort of silently just staring out the candidate and i felt awkward as the sort of like (laughs) like the other person in the interview like learning how to interview i'm like give them give the guy a break now i'm probably more likely to step in and say oh well maybe i can help you a bit early and that's something that's on me to learn and whatever but like it feels extremely like i'm looking for the cheat the 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 one word phrase that is the exact answer for me and i'm just sort of gonna wait for you to say it and i I think that's that feels too yeah you know i maybe this is just my own personal opinion but i the time that you have in interviews with candidates is precious. You're using their time and you're using your time. 
And the question, as we said at the very start of this conversation, is I need to get a sense of what their process is going to be like in the first few weeks and months of the company, right? As they're coming on, as they're ramping up, as they're getting to a point where they're valuable and useful and, and, and making a positive contribution, what is that going to be like and how long is it going to take? And for me, that precious interview time, I want to simulate that as much as I possibly can. And I certainly don't plan when they start of asking them <laughs> very one-sided questions and then sitting in silence with my hand on my chin going uh, wait, like, the... what is the answer to this? Like, <laughs> right. that's not how their first few it's weeks are going to go. It's, it should be a collaborative thing. And you're right. Really, yeah. Right. So I want to try to make that as sort of as realistic as I can, as collaborative as I can, and as close to I can as, as the first few months. And I am trying to do some things to basically like compress that time, you know, compress like weeks of that collaborative time into like an hour by doing a little bit more things that are a little bit more directed and a little bit more pointed just to like try to get as much information as I can. But the goal remains the same, which is, you know, in those first few weeks and months, what is your trajectory going to look like, right? Because if it looks like very positive, then you're probably going to be a great fit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is, as we said before, this is just one of those things where you, you're always going to be able to look back and sort of be like, yeah, you know, it's hard to get this right. And I don't think we got it right on this candidate or that candidate. Um, and, and as a result, I, I would hope, I would hope that anyone who has done this for long enough sort of has that understanding in the back of their mind and sort of knows it's like anyone that would, would tell me like, Oh, we have a, we have a perfect interview process and we only get the best of the best. It's like, no, <laughs> it's like someone telling you, telling you that they're a C plus plus expert. You're like, nobody can say no. that. No. The Dunning Kruger effect means yes. that, yeah. that if you know, right. if you think you're an expert, you're you absolutely are, you are right here on the Dunning Kruger curve. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Oh boy. Um, that's a, I mean, I've seen some very alternative approaches to hiring, mm. interviewing and hiring. Um, I think, I can't remember the name of the company, but somebody who we got in at a previous company, somebody we got in as a, I think originally as a penetration tester, you know, like oh, a yeah. you know, like security consultant. Yes. Uh, he ran for a long time, uh, Thomas Tachek, I think his name is, it just came to mind. Uh, he ran for a long time some like uh, newsletter with like like here here's like a sort of uh, brain teaser style challenge of like can you hack this thing and then if you did you could email him the answer and he would send you the next one in the sort of the the chain and he did it I believe originally and I f forgive me if he ever hears this and I've got it completely wrong but it's something like this he did this in, originally as just like a this is a fun way to teach folks about security engineering and hacking mm -hmm. and uh, you know penetration testing all those type of bits and pieces but then he realized that by the end of it anyone who'd got to like the 15th one was probably a very good security <laughs> right. researcher type yes. person and maybe he should hire them <laughs> right whoever they are <laughs> and so he started doing this and some of the best employees that they brought on were people who had just been through this and they were very non-traditional background people yeah. i think he said that there was one person who worked as like the it person for a library in the middle of a rural area in the middle of nowhere and again i'm paraphrasing everything from memory yeah. six seven years ago whatever and it's like there's no way that person without a degree who was just like fixing the computers in the library would have done would have gotten a job under the normal circumstances of like the kind of interviews that would would bring somebody in or even bring them into contact with right. 
to even think that maybe I could apply for a job here. Right, no right, one gave right, him right. the permission to <laughs> apply for that job. And yet Thomas sort of emailed him and said, you're amazing. Do you want a job? And it worked out brilliantly. And I think that's lovely. We all want the situation where um, we can widen the talent pool yeah. that we can pull from and we can make it a lev- more level playing field because like, it's, th- it's not who you know at all yeah. at that point. I mean, obviously, there's a bit of like whether you've got access to that. Yeah, I, but I love that. It was an interesting no, story. I love so the idea. Great. And he set up, I believe, he set up a company to the, essentially uh, uh, productionize that approach to hiring. Okay. And he said, literally, their, 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 their final um, interview process was someone would come in and the HR person would ask them like three questions only. Like, what is your name? Where do you live? Kind of, kind of very, very straightforward. Right. And that was all the interview was, was like, are you a real human being is effective. <laughs> and I think that sounds great. And I think it worked for him because so much of it was individualistic. So much of it was... Um, uh, uh, consulting work, remote consulting work. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a bit, and this is unfortunately, this is where now we're into the, oh, but there's a bit where you have to work with someone and you have to be able to right. um, interact with them on a personal basis. And you want to uh, make sure that you're going to be productive as a unit of people working together. Perhaps you are going to be customer facing, in which mm-hmm. case, you know, you have to be able to deport yourself with a customer in a way that doesn't cause issues as well. Right. So that obviously slightly takes the edge off of that approach but i like the idea yeah i like the idea in, in, in principle yeah I, I love that and i mean one of the things that is particularly compelling about that is not only does it work which is the most important thing but it has a, a nice sort of um uh balance of of cost so one of the things that we and we we're just sort of saying this think about a lot is like all the people that are participating in this interview process also have their day jobs that they actually need to do Right. And all of the time that we're spending on this takes away from that, which is what we use to, you know, make payroll. I mean, so, you think six hours for an individual candidate could easily be taken up in all of the things that happen. Yeah. Maybe even more than that. Uh, yeah. And that's a whole working day for a human being at our company right. per candidate. You can't, that, that's not cheap. Right. Exactly right. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive for the candidates too, but like, especially when you have a lot of influx that's sort of the burden can sometimes disproportionately fall on the company, um, especially because there's like um, deficiencies of scale there, right? <laughs> like the more candidates you have, the more the harder it gets to organize any one candidate. If you have one candidate a week, you they're loaded up in your head. You know who they are. They're moving through the pipeline. You're keeping track of them. Uh, the more you get, the more those kinds of informal systems start to break down. Um, and so... so- the the thing that I really like about this is that, you know, once he's got those problems, it's really easy to just be like, oh, I got a question from somebody. I'll check to see if their answer is right. I'll give them the next problem. That's like a minute, right? Um, yep. And 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 it, it does sort of put a lot of the burden on the candidate to then solve the problem. Like of it course, takes him, which is another issue, right? Right. But, but, but that's sort of like if you're trying to like design these systems to be able to handle this, like that's you want to be able to have those tools in your toolbox where you can say like, I'm going to take a minute to send you an email and you're going to work on it for an hour. And then I'm going to get a lot of signal back from that result, which then I can move you on to more higher touch processes. We're investing more time. Right. Um, which is a little bit, I mean, so now we're, we're going all over the place here, uh, but like you mentioned like the leak coding yeah. uh, type thing. That is sort of what that is trying to do there. I mean, in mm-hmm. particular, my understanding is that it's the kind of thing that companies might be tempted to do around campus recruiting time, where there is a huge, uh, imbalance in power where 
if your company is well regarded enough to go onto a list somewhere that's on like a GitHub of some college, then maybe someone is just going to throw their resume at hundreds of companies right. because it's cheap to do that these days. You don't have to print it out and hand it to people. You don't have to send it in the mail even. You just email it. And so you can make a massive list of companies you want to apply for. And you can be like, not even necessarily very committed to them. You're just throwing a wide net. And who wouldn't try that? Oh, I, yeah. I'm, I would. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but that means that as an individual company, even one that's relatively small and, and, and not necessarily as well known as ours, gets thousands of applications from people that are graduating. Right. And it's not the case that every single one of those people wants absolutely to work at Aquatic, right? That's right. not necessarily the case. It's maybe like, they like I just want to work in finance or Chicago or wherever, right? right? There's just like you, some search term found you and why the heck not? And then it's kind of incumbent on us to filter them down to the few to say like, well, do we, is this actually worth proceeding or were you just having a laugh right, right. and right. having a laugh, well, yeah, having a laugh just, when you're looking for a job, right? But you're you know, looking for it, a job, it makes sense. And I mean, certainly for those large companies, like I totally understand why they use lead code and all of these other tools to do this filtering. Like it is kind of inhumane and I hate it, but it's like, I totally understand why they do it. Um, it makes sense for them. I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it. Um, for me, the solution. But I say it's like, it's, it's a degree of scale compared right. to say the, 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 the process that I was just describing with Thomas Tachek stuff, you know, like it feels a little bit like it's the same in, in some ways, you know, you're making, you're pushing the burden back at the candidate to say, you have to prove yourself a few times before I invest that yeah, little bit more time. But, and that can feel inhumane, right, very definitionally inhumane, right? Because it's almost cool. automated. <laughs> right? Was that, sorry? Don't discount the fact that it just feels cooler, right? <laughs> like in his particular <laughs> instance, the thing that he was doing was awesome, right? It's a security researcher. I'm giving you this crazy puzzles. You know, you could do a thing where you like sort of like put some Easter eggs in some places so you can find the That's... email address. Like, don't discount the value of awesome, right? Like that, that is, is a very awesome, good point, right? That is a very good point. Building but out the like so many things. Facebook is not awesome. <laughs> no, that is true. Yeah. And these things also, I mean, like the, 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 the solutions get posted and then you're back into the world of like, well, if you yeah. know where to look for the solution, right. then you can jump through the thing anyway. Where right, right, right. So it's, I think recruiting is really difficult. <laughs> it's, it is really, really difficult. <laughs> for, on both sides, yeah, right? It I is. know we, we've, we're fortunate to be on this side of the recruitment yeah. um, conversation. Yeah, right now. But, you know, it's like we've both been <laughs> we've both been in that world where it's like, you know, oh, OK, I guess I'm going to do some interviews this week. See how that goes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was that was my uh, personal anecdote. That was uh, actually how I wound up at uh, Dr. W. <laughs> oh, yes. Redco, is I was moving from Texas to Chicago. And I had a whole week blocked off that I took vacation for uh, to come back to Chicago and interview with like a whole bunch of companies. Um, and, you know, that was a very stressful week. <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah. This was yeah. back in 2010. So obviously all these interviews were in person and they were in offices and it's very different than the way we do things now. But We uh, do things these, yeah, right, yeah. right. I know I haven't really interviewed someone in person physically for a very long time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah two, 2010 also for me at, uh, DW. That oh, was yeah. end of 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, I had flown to Canada because I was doing something for, uh, I was still working at Google at the time. And I didn't, I was talking to DRW, but I wasn't really sure about it. And I certainly didn't want them to pay for me to fly internationally from the UK where I was living mm -hmm. at the time, all the way over to 
to to Chicago and then like put me up in a hotel or anything. That felt a bit much like I was committing to them. Mm. You know, like they were giving me something and then in return I would have to give them something kind of feeling. And I was not sold on the whole idea. But I was in uh, Toronto or nearby uh, Kitchener or wherever the heck the um, Google office was over there for something. And then it was felt like, well, it's just a little puddle jumper <laughs> across the lake to get mm-hmm. to Chicago. So, all right, I'll do it then. And then, yeah, it was a whole day. It was a, a, a Friday, which I was meeting a friend as far as Google was concerned. And right. I, I spent chatting to a whole bunch of folks, most of whom now are very good friends yeah, of you mine. Did right? Literally everybody I day, interviewed right? with, <laughs> everyone I interviewed, so Nevin Lieber, uh, Oren Miller, oh my God. Uh, all the people that we know and love and we still hang out with different uh, uh, were in those interviews. It would... Uh, it was it was a fun time. Oh yeah, that sounds great. So, anyway, uh, that was yeah. You started it with a personal anecdote, made me have to say one. So, <laughs> no, I well, think this is probably a place we should stop talking. This is a great. <laughs> I think this is a great way to end it. been listening to two's compliment a programming podcast by ben rainey and matt godbold find the show transcript and notes at www.twoscompliment.org contact us on mastodon we are at two's compliment at hackyderm.io our theme music is by inverse phase find out more at inversephase.com